Welcome back to the Behind the Well Show. Your host, Roger Abel, back with Elias Randall. I feel like this is the kickoff to summer show, Eli. There's there two days go. left to school. Kick it off. Let's start summer. I'm ready for summer vacation, swim in the pool, maybe have a cocktail or two by the pool. Should be fun. Yeah, I'm excited for it too. But one of the things we want to talk about today, and we had this conversation uh, between the two of us here not too long ago, just about realistic expectations for retirement. And I think, you know, going into summer, we're halfway through the year. A lot of people set first of the year goals to accomplish certain things, whether they're financially or weight loss, whatever their New Year's resolution is. We know lots of people have already stopped doing that. That's just based upon data. Most people have already failed in their New Year's resolution, but I feel like summer's a time where you can rejuvenate this, kick it back into into action. And we were kind of talking about it in the context of, you know, the clients we work with, who are most realistic about their retirement expectations and, and how this is going to work. And we thought it'd just be a fun show to talk about what we see, whether you're Gen X, Gen Z, millennial, baby boomer, who we think is actually most realistic about what's going to happen in the future. And, you know, one of the things, the, the first thing people like to ask is, well, how much, how much do I need to have saved? How much do I need to save for retirement? What, what age group of people lies do you think is most realistic about how much they actually need to save for retirement. So that that's a really good question. I think the, I don't know, I think the older generations were, and this is just in general, better savers, but I don't know that they were better investors. I don't know that they took advantage of the market and things maybe like they should. And I know younger people are saving, um, and probably have better investor behavior and they're participating in the market. But then the other thing you get with young people is they'll, you know, they want to learn how to trade options or they want to buy crypto. They want to be a stock picker. Um, so, so I'm not really, I, I guess in general, uh, for me, that's hard to quantify, but here, it, here's who's most realistic in my opinion. I think the families we work with, it's hard to not be realistic when, you have a professional in a firm saying, hey, this is exactly how this is going to work. This is where you're at. These are the risks that you have. These are the risks you should take. These are the risks you shouldn't take. So I think my answer to this would be, well, people who have engaged in some sort of financial planning process and are taking recommendations from a professional firm, they probably have the most realistic idea of what it's going to look like in the future. I'd, I know our clients that engage that way and they take advantage of all those services. They know, they know where they stand. They know what they need to do. Um, so that's probably who's most realistic, but what do you think? I think that's a really good answer. I actually didn't think about it in that context, but it's probably not an age of a person. It is the person who's completed a financial plan. And then if we have to break into an age, I would say the people who've done this financial plan and are probably over age 50. And the only reason I say that is, you know, when you hit 50, you have a pretty pretty good idea of what your lifestyle really is. You're probably at your maximum wage earning years. You're probably not going to make a whole lot more money between 50 and 60 from a, you know, an increased an income increase, standpoint. Yeah. So you can really dial in the plan. If you think about a person who's 28 years old and does a financial plan, they don't really know what the next 20 years of their life looks like. 
you know, we can do a plan and say, hey, if we were making today's money and you want to retire on X amount of money, this is how much we need to save. So we're getting them on the right track. But man, a lot can change between 28 and 45. And so that's the only reason I actually would say that I think that this older older generation is probably more realistic about what it's going to do or what it's going to take to retire. But, there's a lot of variables, right, when you're young. If you're 30 or younger, I mean, there's things you may be married, you may not be, you may have a family already, you may not. But yeah, at 50, a lot of that stuff has either come and gone or you're in the middle of it and you're your peak earning of your career. Well, think Most about this. At, at 28, if you ask me at 28 how much I would need in retirement to live on versus now, you said, how much do you need in retirement to live on? My number is drastically different. Two different answers. Two different answers. Now, the good news is I got started at 28 and knew what I needed to do, but it's actually why we utilize that financial plan as not a static option, meaning we don't create it, never do it. We're reviewing it every year. So it's very dynamic and everything's changing. So I just think if you had a person who's 28 years old and came to work with us, say some executive 28, by the time he's 42, things have changed, but his plan is actually him or her, their plan has changed with them. It's not like it was still the plan from 28, you know, gradually every year you're going, man, well, I think I need more money in retirement to live on now. Well, okay, great. We save more. It changes the plan. We're able to be very dynamic with it. So I think that's the way you answer that is great. The sad thing is only 26% of the people have actually done a plan. So if we break it out and say, how, what's the percentage of people that I think are really realistic about this, it's probably less than 15%. And, and that's because if you take the whole landscape of people who've done financial plans, suck out all the people under age 40 or under age 50, it's probably like less than 15% that really have a realistic clue of what this looks like. Yeah. You, and you also at the back, there's people who do a financial plan and then maybe, maybe don't execute the recommendations or, or stick to it. Right. So those people would be backed out, backed out too. But I know that I know that the families we work with that engage in that process and really like believe in the philosophies and the stuff we're doing, I, I feel like they really understand where they're at. I also feel like those are the people that have the highest confidence um, in their investments and they make the least amount. They typically don't make bad investor decisions or irrational decisions with their money. It's exactly what we are trying to do with people is put a vision or a plan together of your future. And think about it. How motivated is somebody to actually save money if they don't know why they're doing it? Like they're not. If someone says I'm saving for retirement, okay, what is that? What is retirement? So I, I think to intrinsically motivate people to save and get on track, you have to help them think about what retirement looks like. When you, when you think about when we do our initial consultation with people, we send them home with a homework packet. And there's about a dozen open-ended questions. None of them are financial related. It's all to get them to think about what's retirement going to look like? What do I want to do? And once you know what you want to do, then you can start having reasons why you're saving money. You have to have a vision. Otherwise, it's just, it's not really a goal. It's not real. You're just saving money and you don't know why. Well, what fun is that? You know, if you know you want a boat and you're saving money for that boat, it's easier to save the money because you know what you're going to get in the end. Does a 28-year-old know what he's going to get in the end? He or she's going to get in the end? 
They have no idea. It's just what they were told they need to do. But if you can help them craft this vision that, hey, if I start today at 59, I could retire, I could move to Belize, and I could scuba dive every day because that's what their passion was. Do you think it's going to be easier for them to save money versus, well, just save money so you can retire? I hope so, right? It's it, well, it uh, will it, be. I yeah. mean, let's just be honest. If you your football or your football refereeing, yeah. If you knew I have an eighteen hundred dollar outlay every year, and you have to save eighteen hundred bucks for it, it's easy because you want to do that. You set yeah. you set aside one hundred fifty bucks a month. But if correct, if your wife just said, "Hey, we need to save eighteen hundred. There's no goal. There's no way you're going to set aside one hundred fifty a month because there's no goal for it." Right. And that, 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 that's one of the hurdles is it's such that when you're saving and investing, the gratification is so delayed, right? Where it's, you know, and sometimes I, recently I had someone ask me about, it was a friend of mine, so we're just having a conversation and he's like, so how, how have you been successful with money? And I know kind of some of, he's like sports gambling and like buying crypto and he'll ask me about it, stocks and stuff. And I go, honestly, I've just never really done anything really stupid with any of my money. I just do the responsible things. But sometimes I think what, what we're competing with is, okay, is what's more fun? Put 50 bucks in your investment account or log into your sports gambling app and put 50 bucks on the Celtics or the Heat or whatever game's coming up, right? Well, here's it's why. Me. Think about that. There's a defined outcome. Either I get nothing or the $50 turns into 123 immediately. <laughs> right. I mean, th th but if they have which is more exciting and more fun, more exciting, but it goes back to here's what you should ask him. What's your vision for like retirement? Do you want to retire? What's your vision in retirement? Let, let's yeah. figure out what those goals are. And I think as an industry in general, we do a poor job of teeing people up like that. If you think about most professionals in our industry, they're good. They're good at what they do, but they're more focused on the investment management of this versus the planning side of it. And I know this because when individuals come here, they're surprised at the questions that we ask. You think about the yeah. first hour we spend with somebody, we never ask a financial question. And I've actually had people comment that, I didn't know you were gonna ask me questions like this. They think we're just gonna pitch yeah. them investments. And it's more it's more important to understand people and how they think, than, right? We always say the investments are easy. Anyone, anyone in this business can get you good investments, right? We got to figure out how you think, your relationship with money, and then how we can actually help you achieve what you want. Well, think about that video we just watched. Dave Ramsey started out. It's 80% behavior, 20% knowledge. It might even be more like 90, 10. Yeah, I think it yeah. is. Well, just think you always but say, yes, like, I agree with that. the stock market doesn't care how hard you try. No. It doesn't, it doesn't care. No. Behavior is all that really matters in most of investing. And the study after study after study, the person that thinks they're outsmarting the behavior, they're not. The person who thinks they're gonna time the market, you might get lucky, that could happen. Yeah. But it won't happen. You know, if you're trying to time the market, it's like going to the casino. You could get lucky the first or second time. Eventually, you're gonna lose. You know, then, if you think about when someone goes and gambles at the casino, they don't lose all their money right away typically. That's The casino wouldn't be in business if that happened. You go to a no, slot there, machine. There's enough winning that goes on. That they just want your. They just want you in the seat. That's all they need. They know that you need to win enough to think you're going to win, but they're going to bleed you slowly over time. 
<laughs> I think what's a, what's a slot payback? I want to say a slot payback is like 91 to 93%. I mean, if you put a dollar in, you're getting at 93 cents back. Most people can handle losing seven cents. But then yeah, they, and don't they don't, don't they advertise that? Isn't like yeah, casinos they'll say like, oh, we pay out ninety three percent. Yeah, but it's ninety three cents on the dollar. Yeah, that's what like they're paying what, out. You know, yeah, yeah. But my point is, people don't lose all their money immediately unless they go put it all on black and spin the wheel. Right. They do it slowly. Why do they do that? They want you to buy a drink. Why do they give you free drinks? They want you to stay a little longer. I'll never forget, Elias. You're going to totally appreciate this. Yeah, they so, give you a 90-cent beer so you gamble with hundreds of dollars. I Wait till you hear this story. I'd never been to Vegas ever till 2015. My wife's like, we're going to go to Vegas for our anniversary. I'm like, sounds awesome. And I don't remember the casino we went to. It's some famous casino. We went to the Wynn. We were at the Wynn Casino. She wanted to go to the Wynn. I'm like, great. She goes, hey, if you sit down. Let me back up. I wanted to get a, a beverage. I'm like, I need a beer. Like, sounds fun. She goes, well, if you sit down, they'll bring one to you if you're gambling. It's free. Okay. So I sat down. I gambled. Well, I was through $20 in eight minutes and nobody had been around. I'm like, dude, this wasn't free. I could have just went, bought one for eight bucks and called it good. <laughs> but that's what people think. It's free. That's why they give you the free drink. They don't give you the free drink when you walk in, right? They're not at the door. No, you got it to you. Yeah. Once you punch the money in the machine and you lose a little, the waitress comes around. Would you like something to drink, sir? Well, sure, I would make you feel better. So now you have a drink. What's going to happen? You're going to finish it. What's it take to drink a beverage? 15 minutes to 30 yeah. minutes, probably. Yeah. Well, how much more are you going to dump in the slot machine? 20 more. So that's just that. More. Yeah. I don't know how we got off on that tangent, but back to kind of crafting a plan. I think that's. One of the things people need to think about if they're going to be super realistic about retirement is how are we going to craft this plan? And crafting the plan isn't just numbers. Like you need to think about how you're going to spend money in retirement. Right. And a vision, right? It's not just, I think when it's hard to work with someone, not hard to work with someone, but it's hard to understand someone's real goals when it's all, well, I just want to make the most return, right? That's to me, that's never, that's not like a real goal. And that's actually easy to achieve. You want to make the most return just by a diversified portfolio of stocks Well, and it, it'll work out. What, what that is, that's the immature answer. They don't know how to answer the question. So they just assume the maximum returns the best. What is the maximum return going to provide them? The maximum return. That's it. There's that's no, there's nothing definitive about that. Right. Right. But if you have, you know, a, a vision of how you want to spend your time, maybe some goals that involve like dates or something. Um, but, but again, to go back to that video, it does, it does require some sort of vision and it does require delayed gratification. I mean, you have to be willing to sacrifice some money today so you can save that money and, and grow it and it'll work it, for the people that have executed those type of behaviors. It works. You can't, there's, a, there's no example of someone who had good investor behavior and good savings habits that didn't become successful with money. It just doesn't work that way. And when we talk about creating a vision, the more detailed it is, the better. Because you can really start to dial in what things are going to cost. So if you ask me what my vision is, I know what my vision for retirement is if I retire. I'm going to assume I'm going to retire. It's not my goal to retire. What's your vision? It's that drastically different than my wife's. 
Yeah. So I don't even know if I should share it. <laughs> just what it go fishing every day. Yeah. No, I mean my vision is I'm gonna still work. I'm gonna spend the winter in Florida and I'm gonna take my boat offshore and go fishing every day and go down to the Florida Keys and just enjoy the sun. And then I'm gonna work about six months a year. You're gonna run the rest. <laughs> uh but my wife's vision has nothing to do with Florida or a boat or water. So that's where you have to figure out how do we mend these two visions together. My wife's vision is just somewhere warm. Florida's warm. She doesn't want Very any bugs. Warm. So that kind of eliminates Florida. She what? She doesn't want to have a bunch of bugs. But where can you live in the South that there's no bugs? I think you can go to like, she wants to go to Arizona. There's no bugs and there's bugs I mean, there's everywhere. spiders, but there's not like, you know, you can go outside and not get eaten alive by mosquitoes. Okay. I guess that's reasonable. Well, but, and they have, they call them the no seams. Don't they have those really bad down there? Those really little gnats that you can't see and then they just bite you super hard. According to Jonas, you just need Absorbing Jr. Absorb. <laughs> I, have, I <laughs> don't even know. He went stocked up is. yesterday. Did he? Yeah, it actually works for those little gnats. Oh, that's like the old school icy hot, right? Yeah. That stuff does work. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, you know, as we talk about how we craft plans for people, there's probably like, at least 10 really important questions that people should think about if they're going to craft a plan. And if you're working with an advisor, they're not asking you some of these things. I'd, I'd have real doubts as to what kind of a plan is being created. So the first question, and this is really the most basic, simple question you need to figure out if you're going to start crafting a vision plan or a financial plan or document is when you want to retire. I mean, you have to have a baseline idea of when you want this to happen. It doesn't have to be what you think you can do. So when we're doing it, it's when you want to do it. Not when you think you can, because a lot of people are like, well, I'd like to do it at 59, but I don't think I can do it till 66. Well, why don't we just shoot for 59? 59 works. Everything after that works too. Yeah, and it, 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 is, po it is possible to retire early. Right. Like there's some limitations to that. You have to make enough money and have a high enough savings rate. But if you start early enough, targeting 55 to 60 should be realistic for almost anyone if you have the right savings, the right savings rate. So the second one that's really important is where do you want to retire? Some people want to just stay where the boy's been. Others, you know, we're from the Midwest, so we get cold winters. A lot of us want to go south. Doesn't mean we want to permanently be in the south. Right. But we would like to avoid snow. So I, I know the, my answer to this one. And I don't know where in terms of like where in the country, but. Just not here? No, probably here. <laughs> I'm kind of a homebody. I don't know. But so when I when we, our family's gone and we retire, here's really what I want. This is like my dream house. Some sort of apartment. Like that's upstairs. You've seen them where they have the shops down below and then the condos or the apartments. And then down below is a restaurant and or a bar that I like, a coffee shop and a salon or a barber. Because then I would never, I don't have to go anywhere. I can just, hey, it's I'm time for breakfast. I'll go downstairs and get a coffee. It's so funny you say that. So I heard that pitch 14 years ago. What pitch? From the Reed Wholesalers. They're like, this is the new vision. This is what 20-year-olds want. That's you. That's what I want. Literally, it's like multifamily housing with all the amenities in one spot. Gym, workout, car. Like, what you said, I've literally listened to product vendors 
pitching that idea to us. But here's here's my question. I, I think that's awesome. I want the same thing, actually. I don't want any maintenance. I want to – all the things you just mentioned sound great. Yeah. Oh, look, it's 3.30. What's I'll go weird, downstairs though, and grab I think drink. there's a lot of people who thought they wanted that and were living that lifestyle. And after COVID, they're out. That Now they want to go to the country and they want a house. But I think that's what you're talking about for retirement. That's like the exact vision. You know what you can plan for. So here's what might be cool for somebody like you. You have a house now. Correct. So let's assume you're not going to have that house. And you're going to sell it. Well, you're going to be able to do one of two things. Get a really awesome condo. Because usually the house is a lot more than what you're going to pay for a condo, depending on where you go. Typically, yeah. Right? Or you're going to be able to get a condo and downsize and potentially take some of the equity in your house and use it for something else. Maybe it's two places. Yeah, it definitely. We know that people don't sell their house and then invest the proceeds. Yeah, yeah I'll probably, not, have, to, I'll have, probably two have two condos. Like you're going to have not, an apartment downtown here and you're going to have an apartment somewhere yeah, else. Yeah, I'm not going to kid myself and say, oh, I'm going to do what everyone else doesn't do. That won't work. But people should think about this when doing a plan because if you say, I'm going to go to Florida for three months, well, and you told me you're living on $4,000 a month, I'm going to tell you you probably need to plan in another 20000 to go to Florida for as long as you're going to do that. Like yeah. This is the realistic expectations of what you're going to do in retirement. And it's why when we do this stuff for people, we break this into at least three meetings. Talk about it. They go home. They do the homework. They think about it. We talk about it again. Their stuff changes. But the more thought-provoking questions we ask, the better the the outcome is in the end. So that's housing. Where, where do you want to retire? And income taxes matter. There's certain states where there's no in state income tax. Got to take all of that into consideration. The third thing, how much retirement income do you anticipate earning? So what are your guaranteed income sources? Social Security and pensions. And then... How much do you think you could get from your 401ks? This is really just the accounting of all of your investment assets. That's a third thing you need to do is take stock of all the guaranteed income sources and then your non-guaranteed income sources. Your non-guaranteed income sources are going to be 401ks, things that aren't inherently known for a duration of time. So if you're a, if you're a teacher, you probably have a pension. You know you're going to get that. That's a guaranteed income source. If you have Social Security, guaranteed income source. 401k, not a guaranteed income source. Generate income, you can take distributions, but it's not guaranteed. So we break those into two sections to start to think about what you're going to need to actually retire. And that, that kind of leads into the next one, retirement lifestyle. What does your retirement lifestyle look like? So that's that comes kind of down to spending and... Um, I know most people, you, you really want to plan to have similar lifestyle. I, it's more common to remain at where you're at and maybe increase lifestyle when you retire. I can think of a handful of families that have retired in the last couple of years, and I know they're traveling and they're doing stuff. And uh, I also know none of that none of that stuff is free. So it, that's another thing to consider is like my lifestyle. And you definitely don't want to take a step backwards. Well, lifestyle. I mean, if you have to, you have to, but you, I don't think that's what you should plan for. In doing this for 20 years, I'm yet to see anybody by choice spend less in retirement than when they were working. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. 
I mean, it's all your lifestyle, so much of your habits and just your routine. If you're spending $5,000 today and you retire tomorrow, you're not spending 25% less. How? People can't just suddenly switch everything they do. Like we're creatures of habit. Mm-hmm. You used to going out every Friday night and have your coffee here. Like that just doesn't change. Um, I think this is really neat. This, this next line in here, but the Carrie Dogan, he, she is the senior vice president of retirement income solutions at fidelity cautions. People spouses often don't have the same vision for retirement. And that's what I just told you. Like my vision is yeah. different. So what you have to do is try to figure out how this works, because if you don't have the right vision and you're doing it together, you can inherently spend twice as much money as you thought you were going to. Cause if your spouse wants to do her vision, I'm just putting it in my situation. My spouse wants to do this vision. I want to do this vision. So we compromise. What does that mean? That's two different places. You're going to be in retirement for periods of time. Like it's, just more money. So that's why dialing in this vision of what retirement looks like is really, really, really important. The fifth thing, how much money do you need in savings to realistically fund that lifestyle? So what we do is we back into this. We, we figure out, hey, how much are we going to spend each year? Like what's the ballpark? That's why the vision is really important. And then we can back into how much we actually need to get saved so that people can accomplish those goals and have the, the right outcomes for them. And, you know, if you think about it, Elias, it's really a couple of categories and you have your, your essentials, food, energy, phone, housing, shelter. So all your non-discretionary items, then you have your discretionary items and think about how we do it. We try to break out for, in some cases, the discretionary stuff, because a lot of the discretionary stuff is probably going to go away at some time. So yeah, yeah, at some point it'll be replaced by other expenses. Well, yeah, but we talk about the three phases of retirement, the go-go phase, the slow-go phase, and the no-go phase. You know, when you hit your mid seventies and eighties, you're probably not taking the four vacations a year, whatever it is, like things are going to change. So you have to be realistic about what your discretionary items are. If someone tells you, well, we're going to send $70,000 a year traveling to Europe, you will for X number of years. But when you're 87, I'm pretty sure you're probably not spending $70,000 traveling to Europe. Yeah, you're right. You're traveling at some point will be limited just because of your health and your physical condition. And this is where you can dial it in. It's why there needs to be thought provoking stuff about what the vision looks like. So let's go back to my ideal retirement. I'm on a boat in Florida. It's 75. Am I, am I driving my boat from Tampa to the Florida Keys? You never know. You might. Maybe you will. But probably not. Right. Like realist, I'm being realistic. I'd love to, but realistically, they're probably not doing that. Can you do it through your 60s? Sure. But at 75, so just be 80? fishing off the dock at that point. I've already started fishing off the dock. <laughs> I used to love to take the boat and run around. I'm like, yeah, dock seems pretty good. But you got to think about all the things it's going to take to fund that lifestyle. I mean, rent, property taxes, home maintenance, modifications, auto payments, utilities, groceries, I mean, everything And the more detailed you can be, the better. When I have people that bring in their Quicken, like printout, those are the people that I know are being realistic about their expenses. I love that. I love when you get a spreadsheet that just has it all dialed in and and you know exactly what it is. A spreadsheet that they didn't create. 
Because when you create it yourself, you get to put human bias and then be like, ah, I won't spend that. No, no, just give me what you're spending. Because what most people tell me they need and what they're actually spending are two different numbers. And I, I think some people listening or watching would probably think, you know, it's it's actually more normal to not know what you spend. I talked to more people that the first time I asked them what you're spending, you know, they'll kind of rattle off some numbers. Okay, well, that's all your, that's your bills, right? Your mortgage, utilities, that's your stuff. Do you ever go out to eat? Do you ever go to the movies? What are your hobbies? Like, what are you, what's the amount of, and most people, most people have, most people don't know. There's, there's less people that can answer that question uh, the first time you ask them than, than can answer it. I can tell you this, it's easier to track what, to like keep track what you're spending things on when you make less money. It's easier to keep yeah, track. Yeah, because you have fewer transactions. The more money you make, the harder it is because things get complicated. Like you buy more stuff and more money in and out. And then, yeah, and then when you have a young family and kids, you're just always buying stuff. We just started T-ball. I saw that on the glove, calendar. And we don't have any of the stuff. Buy 400 bucks just to get going. Oh, yeah, glove, some balls. You know, I found my old glove, so I don't need to buy one, so I can go out and play catch. Um is Nelly, in, is Nelly in dance? No. Oh, yeah, that's not dance. Gymnastics and then um, now T-ball. So Blake's swimming. in dance. You have to pay to go to the recital. You have to pay to be in the recital? To go, for, an, for to attend. Oh, you got to buy a paid t- event. You have to buy a ticket uh, to go watch your event. kids thing? Yeah. yeah, there you go. 100 bucks for seven tickets. Oh, my gosh. And then you have to buy the costumes, the outfits. So... But point is, the more stuff that's happening in your life, it gets harder to track. That's why, like, using Quicken or some some spreadsheet's a good way to go back and say, hey, where are we really spending this money? You know? And like I said, the more money you make, the less budging you're probably doing. Like, you have an idea of where it's going, but you don't have to worry about the $82 glove. You're just like, well, what about the glove? And, and at some point, I think you get, if you're kind of following some plan or you're working on being responsible with your money at some point you get to a point where you know you have an emergency fund that is appropriate for you you know you're saving the right amount of money so then really at that at that point if you like to budget you can continue doing it but i mean at some point you're once you're kind of doing all the steps and you're hitting all those things the bud making sure you're doing a monthly budget it's not irrelevant it'd be a good exercise to do but if you're on track and doing everything i don't think you need to feel bad that you didn't do your budget well maybe once in a while you should look at where you're spending here's why your budgets actually become habit yeah you know when you first start doing a budget you got to watch it because you have to build the right habits to stay in the budget but after you do it for a while it's just habit like you know you can afford to go spend 60 dollars on a dinner but if you don't know where your money's going, you can't do that. So like I, I use uh, everydollar.com. Do I track all of my spending to the penny? No. Do I go in there and know where my money's going? Like, okay, this is my paycheck. This is what I have going out. I have this general idea of how much I get each month. And I just live within that budget. Yeah. I, I can remember I can remember being 22, 23 when I first started working. So, okay, so what happens at that time? If you went to college, you start working, and now your student loans are kicking in, your payments, right? So it's like I had those, I bought a new car, had my first job. I remember having times where I'm, like, on a napkin in my kitchen figuring out, okay, 
I have a hundred after everything. I have 150 bucks until my next paycheck. That's what I get to go have some fun and do something with. And it could be probably every two weeks I got paid back then. So it was probably always at least like seven or eight more days till there was more money to work with. But it's nice getting like out of, out of those days, right. Where you have time where you're like, I don't even know if I'm going to make it to my next paycheck. Um, Lots of ramen noodles back in those days. Yeah, or you figure everything up, and you're like, oh, great, there's $13 I need to live on for the next eight days. So so as you start working through this plan, there's a couple of things you need to think about additionally. When you want to take Social Security, that's really hard to determine. It's really a lot based upon health and need and day when you retire. So we kind of punt this till closer to retirement if we have a 30-year-old in here. We're not really trying to, we're trying to really factor out social security because it's not really that relevant. Um, but you also are you, think, are you going to work a part-time job? Some people don't, their vision is they don't know what they want to do when they retire. They just don't want to do the job they're doing. And those people should think about it. Where are we going to work part-time? Because you got to have some purpose. Yeah. So I have a kind of a funny part-time retirement job story. So one of the local golf courses um, they have retired members that are mowing their lawns. So like they kind of presented it to everyone like, Hey, we need 12 of you. And then it can be part-time. Well, then only six people signed up and I know all of them. So they're, and now they can't get anyone else to sign up because they're making these guys mow. Like so they're full-time. Yeah. They're mowing five <laughs> days a week. So the guys that they got talked into it, Everyone else is looking at them and being like, I don't want to get hired to mow part-time out there. You guys are working five and six days a week. Um, One of them over by Solon. Oh, my gosh. So now they're, like, trapped. The guys who committed to doing it are, like, trapped, and no one else will will sign up to help so they can be part-time because they don't want to get suckered into full-time hours. And two of the last things we're going to talk about, well, really it goes into one, but you should – have some expectations that you're going to have elevated healthcare expenses and how are you going to deal with those? But the last thing is how are you going to deal with a long-term care event? And we've had several instances recently in the office where, you know, we've talked about long-term care with people. We've recommended that they take it. And the comment was, well, I just can't afford that. And they could, they just didn't want to afford it. And now they have $11,000 a month going for a long-term care bill. And they said, I bet it's too late to get that insurance we talked about. And the answer is yes. So the 15,000 a year to get a great benefit, that was too expensive. Now they're paying 11,000 a month and then they could be there 10 years. So you should plan on having a long-term care event. I, I believe that as we all are aging longer, most of it sometime are going to need some level of extended care, whether it's in home or an assisted living facility or a true nursing home, either way, we're all going to need some help sometime. Why wouldn't you start planning for it? And the earlier you plan for this, the better. So I have clients that 10 years ago, I talked to about, we should do long-term care. They were 50. We should be looking at long-term care. And we did what was called a 10 pay where they only made 10 payments on it. So it was a lot more money, but they're done after 10 years. Well, guess what the beauty of that is? It's paid for and they have it. They're not subject to rate increases. They don't have to worry about paying for it in retirement. It's done. They'll never drop it. Now, will the the care always keep up with inflation? They have an inflation rider. Could the cost of care get higher than what they have? Absolutely. But it's still, they've minimized their risk by doing it that way. 
So and that's there will just, be yeah, and then now there's money specifically earmarked for that. And realistically, you're gonna need it. And they don't you're have, gonna use it too. They don't have to make a decision now. Are we gonna pay for the long term care? Are we gonna take the vacation? Right. It's paid for. Right. Or make a decision on having not forcing, but having a family member take care of someone who needs help, whether it's a spouse or someone else that lives close by. You see that a lot, that people don't want to pay the bill. So then another family member is spending an extraordinary amount of time caring for their family member when in addition to that, they're working and doing other things too. Yeah. So you see that too. Well, with that said, if anybody's looking for help putting together their financial plan, they can go to btwellshow.com. Uh, click get started. We'll get in touch with you, kind of walk you through the steps, how we do this to get you a, a plan that can provide, you know, the most optimal outcomes. I want to thank everybody for listening until next time. Thanks. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPIC. The opinions voiced in this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, and financial advisor or tax advisor prior to investing. All performance referenced is historical and is not a guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Premier Investments of Iowa Incorporated and LPL Financial do not provide tax advice. Please consult your tax professional. 